Thanks for joining us. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager, man who took a lot of time to study stocks and bonds and different types of investment vehicles over his career, and really became sort of a conservative investor. I think it's safe to say. There's two ways to go about this. You can be a trader or you can be a long-term holder, and that's what we're going to talk about this week on Making Money, Ron. Now, let's talk a little bit about, I, I want to say anecdotally, when I first became an investor, I was a trader, right? I'd get a tip from somebody, hey, take a look at this one. And I'd go in and I'd buy it and maybe it would go up a little bit. I was never afraid to take a profit, but a lot of times I got scalped too. Trading is a tough thing to do, Ron. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. And, no kidding, Gord. And what we're trying to do here is that there's two broad ways to make money. One is uh, conservative long-term investing where you buy and you hold, and the other one is trading. And the probability of making money trading is not very high. And we're, what we're going to try and do is go through today and, and just answer a simple question. Why trading stocks is such a tough way to make money. So, you know, if you insist that you still want to try being a trader, well, uh, we'll talk about that, but here are some of the pitfalls that will at least they'll help you ahead of time to know what you're facing because trading is a very difficult path. I mean, if you're on the investment path and you're, you're the slow and steady path, you know, you're going to have some setbacks along the way, but it's pretty wide and it's not too steep. And if you're just consistent over time, you're going to do fine. Trading is like trying to rock climb a sheer granite face that goes up 3,000 feet. Yeah, there's people that can do it, that can find those little holes in the rock. And of course, their success makes everybody else think that they can do it. But trading is tough. Uh, most people that start off trading, they end up losing a lot of money and they go back to serious investing. So if you are going to go into trading, uh, just buy or beware. Well, I, and I think back to, and, and you would remember her, the business manager at the radio station I worked at was a really... She was a tough lady, but very, very smart. And she was the one that first told me, Gordon Whitehead, you buy bank stocks and never sell them. Put them in a drawer and forget about them. <laughs> and she was pretty much right on that regard. Held Sage bank advice. <laughs> Sage <laughs> advice, Gordon. Held bank stocks for a long time. Okay, so let's talk about some of the pitfalls of being a trader. I think the first one is that three-letter word that we all hate, T-A-X. No, tax. I mean... Uh, if you're trading stocks in a taxable account, remember every time that you make a buy or sell, that Canada Revenue Agency is right there with their handout wanting their take, which in Alberta can be as high as 24%. It's about uh, half your regular rate of taxation. But the longer you hold the stock between trades, the longer you get to compound $100 instead of $0.76 cent after tax dollars. So over time, especially if you're you're rotating your portfolio, I mean, nowadays, uh, it's not uncommon for people to ro completely rotate their portfolios every month. And when you consider how much uh, tax you have to pay, because every time CRA is out there, if there's profit, obviously you get to write your losses off. But if you can compound $0.10 cent dollars over time, just logically, you're going to make a lot more money if you're only than if you're only compounding $0.76. Cent dollars. Yeah, that the math is pretty simple right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and time is, is 
is a big factor here too, right? Like we talk about if you're a long-term investor, you buy a stock, you're conservative, you wait it out, you, you, you sit with it. Yeah, and you take the time, obviously, to if, if, if you own a bank stock, uh, typically quarterly, if they come out with a, uh, a report, and typically around earnings season, that's when you get analysts are, are, are looking at it and scrutinizing it closely. So if every quarter, you know, you take a close look at how your stock is doing, uh, that's often enough to, especially if you've got a very stable company that doesn't have a lot of bad news currently. But if you're a trader, imagine if you have a portfolio of 20 stocks and you turn them over every month, Gordon. It means that you have to come up with 20 stocks a month times 12 months a year. You've got to come up 40. You've got to come up with 240 ideas every year to match somebody who's got 20 great ideas he's hung on to for, or she's hung on to for a long period of time. And frankly, most people don't have the time to do that kind of research. And of course, so they're, they're buying stuff that everybody else is buying, but they're not doing their own homework where I would suggest if you're at this point and you, you still have some, uh, you need some enlightenment, go back and look at last week's show. We talked about Theranos and all these people rushed in to buy this thing and they didn't do their homework. If you don't have the time to do your homework, don't buy. And trading is a different skill set than buy and hold, obviously, right? Buy and hold's pretty straightforward. Well, buy and hold, you know, these are classic investors. They look at things like fundamentals, uh, which include earnings, market share, debt, sales, those kind of things. Whereas if you're a trader, uh, you're using charts, uh, you're, you're divining off the squiggly patterns on the charts, uh, what direction these chart, these patterns are signaling for future direction. And often, uh, good traders, I mean, one of the things that some of the biggest trading firms on Wall Street would do would uh, take a candidate and sit him down and play poker with him. Okay. And they found that good poker players often were very good traders. And so uh, for most people, that's the skill that they're not particularly good at. I know I'm not a great poker player, uh, but I've turned out to be a good long-term investor. So they're very, very different skills. So if, if you think that uh, you're a good long-term investor and you're naturally going to become a good trader, not necessarily so. Okay, so now trading stocks susceptible to scams like front-running and things like that, and, and falsehoods, right? Oh, especially in the new issue market, and especially if you're, you're buying stocks and you're going into some of these uh, trading rooms where the, we're online, where you're getting information of what to buy. They're just packed with people putting up false information. Um, and because they have anonymous accounts, you, you really don't know who it is behind what's being said. So if you're buying stuff, especially the junior stuff, where you're going into these uh, talk or chat rooms on finances, um, they're just rife with um, scams and, and uh, quick buck artists and people spreading false rumors. And yeah, you don't often find that. I mean, you, you, you go to a chat room and you're not going to find that kind of information if you're talking about something like Bank of Montreal or, or Transalta Utilities, for example. Uh, the rumors and the innuendos are far more um, extent, extent in, in these chat rooms, especially with lower price, those under a dollar stocks 
that often trade on the venture exchange. Ryan, you and I have known each other a long time. Uh, you know, you spent a lot of time at Edmonton. That's the, the market that I worked in for better part of 30 years, I guess it was. And I knew a lot of people in the investment business, different firms and all that and that stuff. And, and we, you and I would get together for a glass of wine or a coffee every once in a while. We'd compare notes about different people. Oh, that guy's a trader. This guy's a long-term holder. This guy's the and, – and we would discuss these things. In your experience, what's the percentage of people that are successful as traders? I, I bet it's pretty low. Well, if you actually go – and it's not just my opinion. It's the um, – the academics. I know one study I recently looked at, it looked at 30,000 traders. And out of those 30,000 traders, were less than 1% actually made money. You know, maybe 5% broke even, but the rest lost piles of money. So trading has a much lower success rate than traditional investing. And it's sort of like winning a lottery. You can win a lottery. It's not to say that if you, you do it enough times or you get lucky enough, you can end up with a big payday that sets you up for the rest of your life. But frankly, if you take a look at the probability of that happening, well, not so much. Yeah, and I can think of, you know, stories that I've heard from people, oh man, I hit a big one, I hit a home run on this one. But I, you never hear about how many they got beat up on either, right? Uh, <laughs> they don't yeah. talk about those ones. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was funny. I was at uh, a fitness club and I was uh, listening to two guys and they were talking really loud, so it was uh, easy was, to hear them. <laughs> yeah, it was the and the one guy was bragging about how much money he was making, and of course I knew from his voice that I knew the guy, and I knew that uh, frankly I I talked to him and he was uh, complaining to me over lunch one day that uh, he he screwed up so badly he was going into bankruptcy, but there he was in the club in his loud voice talking to everybody about. Uh, these new investment ideas he was looking at that were going to make him rich. And of course the guy didn't have a good long-term track record. He'd been on the financial ropes two or three times. And so, you know, just because somebody's telling you that they're uh, God's gift to investing uh, doesn't necessarily mean anything. And of course the trading attracts the herd because of the huge amounts of money they're told that they can make. And in most cases that's wrong. Okay, and I think the the other the one that's really fundamental here is you got to have a really thick hide to do this. You got to be able to take those body blows if you make a bad play, and you have the financial background to do it, where you can you can absorb a loss. Otherwise, this is just not for you, right? If you take a look at the average billionaire, the average billionaire has been on the financial ropes a number of times with ideas that didn't take take off. And uh, they ended up, they ended up getting emotionally and financially wiped out. And for most investors, they just don't have the resilience to come back from that. Uh, the fact that they lost lots of money becomes an, uh, an emotional bearer. It's almost like hanging a dead skunk around your neck, and that devastating loss uh, just prevents them. They lose all interest in it. And of course, you know, if you do that early in life and you don't have, uh, you get wiped out, well, you've probably got time to recover. But, you know, a lot of older people, they're, they, they get these losses late in life, and they're just devastated. And let's go back to point number one, the tax. If you're, you're making this kind of move, if you're a trader, 
you got to make that at least 24% before you start getting ahead of the game, right? Because of the tax implications if you're doing this in a taxable account. Yeah, uh, taxes are an expense. And of course, uh, the one thing that uh, along with taxes that it's probably a good reminder is called the bid ask spread. So let's say you're you're looking at a stock that's 30 cents. You know, you might see uh, someone trying to buy it at 30 and a seller at 35. Well, the middleman takes that five cent spread in uh, the center, the people that are that are responsible for doing the trading. And these bid ask spreads can reduce performance by, you know, some of the research papers I've seen by up to three or four percent a year. You know, if you're looking at markets that historically do uh, seven or eight percent a year over the long term, well, you're cutting you're yourself taking, in half, right? You're, well, you're cutting yourself in half, and then if you're taking taxes after that, uh, you, you know, you you have to ask yourself, well, maybe GICs look pretty attractive with a two percent rate of return. So, you know, uh, you, there's just so many reasons why trading is tough. Now, you might be one of those exceptional people that goes out and is interviewed in Forbes or Barron's or, or Fortune magazine 10 years from now is one of those guys that defied the probability and just your skill level takes you to a point where you become uh, a centimillionaire or even a billionaire doing it. You can stand back and go, ha ha, I defied all the odds. But for most of us, there's two ways to make money, buying good quality things and holding them for the long term or initiating a lot of trading frenzy. And typically, if you bought and hold uh, stocks for uh, for the long term, you've done fine if you've had a, a broad-based portfolio like you've owned an index. But you can't say that among trading. So you have to ask yourself, what kind of odds do you want to take? Well, and we've rolled out his name in the past. He's not popular in everybody's books, but he is the world's most successful investor, Mr. Buffett has been a buy-and-hold guy since he started, right? Yeah, in the 1960s. So, uh, you know, you look at people that have done very well over their lifetime, and most of them, frankly, weren't traders. Most of them were buy-and-hold investors. So there you go. Some sage advice. If you think you want to try trading, not for the faint of heart. Be prepared to take some body blows. If you have a question or a show suggestion for us on making money, hey, we're all ears. Well, we're all email. Uh, drop us a note to letsmakemoney.ca and we'd be happy to address that on an upcoming show or, as we say, a show suggestion. Or uh, you can reach us as well through cfcw.com, the portal where our show is hosted, and we'll be happy to address that at some time in the future. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you again next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.